Hey everyone, welcome to Blood and Guts. Today we're talking about a case so crazy, I still don't want to believe it's real. <laughs> That's an accurate way to describe what we're about to do. Yeah, when I when I first heard this case, I heard it from Morbid. Shout out to Morbid. And I was like, I think I was on a run. And I literally, I stopped in the middle of the street and I was like, huh? (laughs) It was like, hello. Anyway, we'll get into every, we'll get into everything that I'm referring to in just a minute. But I have some fun Disney true crime news. It's really stupid. (laughs) So... Obviously, COVID-19 has taken over the world and closed, like, all the Disney parks. Well, a man um, was arrested after breaking into Disneyland (laughs) amid this closure. God, he'd have no wait time. That's so true. You want to take a guess at how old this guy was? I, I don't know. Take a my guess. guess is like, my guess is like somehow he's like 140 and he's like, <laughs> oh yeah, it's my time to shine. He was 18, but okay. Yeah, that it was either, it was one of the ends of the spectrum. It was either mm-hmm. barely an adult or like you're 75 and climbing the fence. Yeah. Well, um, this dude's name is Jeremiah Smith. He is a transient resident of Anaheim and was seen jumping over a gate into the back lot of California Adventure. Um, Officers responded to the scene and found the man in the park around 11 p.m. near a construction site by the Guardians of the Galaxy ride. Um, They believe his motive was to steal items or equipment from the construction site. Um, He was cited for trespassing and then released. (laughs) I mean, it's something to add to the bucket list. Don't break into Disney. They have. I do you know how many like security cameras they have? That's something you add to the bucket list, like just to cross it off. Like you add it after you've already done it, just to cross it off and be like, "See, I'm an adventurer. <laughs> I meet my own goals, and I'm successful." Mm-hmm. The picture. Okay. Okay. So you, you know that there's like a Disney jail, right? Yes. Yeah, okay, so the picture that went along with this post on Instagram is Mickey and Minnie in this jail, and I'm confused. Oh my god, the mice have been arrested. For what? I don't know. Spreading corona, okay. Minnie and Mickey um, help spread the Black Plague. You can't change my mind. (laughs) I almost said... Were they around during that time? Have they, like, been made yet? God. All right. Well, I did the research for this episode. So with that very intelligent statement that I just said, you know you're going to get a high-quality episode. As always. Okay. So today we are talking about the crazy case of Daniel LaPlante. Trigger warning. This involves rape and child violence, so if you're not cool with that, maybe just hop off the episode, come back at a different time. Um, But this story is insane. 
you've heard of this before. Um, yeah. And there was actually like a really recent development in 2019, which I'm going to talk about. But um, let's just jump into it. Yeah, sometimes when I want to make fun of him, I say his last name. Like, kind of how, like, Guy Fairy made his into Guy Fieri, except I like to call him La Plante. Oh, I, when I was researching this, I kept calling him La Plante. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like something you get, like, the back lot of Home Depot, like, when all the Christmas trees are sold and you have to buy, like, a twig. <laughs> like, like, get like, yourself. just a fern, <laughs> La Plante. <laughs> Get yourself a LaPointe for your home. <laughs> um, well, this LaPointe was born <laughs> in Townsend, Massachusetts in 1970. I couldn't find a birthday for him. So he just existed. He was, he was spawned. Yep. Um, he had a really traumatic childhood. He suffered a lot of sexual and psychological abuse from multiple adults, but his father was the main source of all of this where, because he regularly tormented him physically, emotionally, and sexually, which is a trifecta you never want to have. Yeah. The not holy at all trinity. I know. Uh, uh, Daniel struggled in school, both academically and socially, and was diagnosed with dyslexia at an early age. Um, very, he had like very few friends, but um, most classmates would usually call him creepy or weird and same. They didn't call him same. I'm just relating to it. <laughs> Imagine that being the worst insult you could come. Hey, they're same. <laughs> Yeah, people used to call me creepy and weird all the time. I, I'm not going to say that on the podcast. Yeah, you're using past tense, but, like, for me, that's, like, present. Like, it, it is like, it's, an hour ago. It's present for me, too, but I had a, di- I was a different breed in eighth grade. That was my emo phase. Yeah, it was just eighth grade. Yeah. I had a Gerard Waite shrine in my locker. <laughs> I know. I know I told you that before, but now it's out there. Oh, no, there. I didn't hear it from you the first time. I'm sorry? Continue with the episode. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> okay. So, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, LaPlante was referred to a psychiatrist by his teachers because of his abnormal behavior and general negative attitude toward his appearance. Um this is in reference to his hygiene which we'll get into that later and general self-improvement um when he was at the psychiatrist he was diagnosed with hyperactivity disorder however this psychiatrist is a piece of steaming hot garbage because he made a lot of sexual advantages or i can speak sexual advances towards laplante and for the following year sexually abused him during their sessions and i cannot even imagine what this kid's life was like and how unsafe he must have felt around everyone there's like no safe place for this guy to go and it's yeah all the outlets that people are like this is who you turn to it does not end well uh his early teenage years he became a small-time thief um so great start he broke into people's properties in the townsend area and stole their valuables 
So, um, this is where it gets creepy. By age 15, he was not only taking possessions, but leaving behind items. Gross. Define items. I don't know because I couldn't find any examples, but I'm just thinking you're like, you wake up and on your desk, like next to you is like this weird, like, I don't know, like, uh, like watch or something that that he stole and you're like this is not mine where did it come from like god the worst kind of santa uh, yeah it's uh, he also would move items around so people would know that someone had been there but not so much as it would super obvious so yeah see that one would mess with me a lot yeah can you imagine just slowly moving like all like furniture just like a bit to like the right and then slowly people start to notice. And you're like, huh. That's like that? a natural thing that people do for April Fool's. If you yeah, I know. Yeah. I would run into everything. I that also would. Be would. Like my, I probably wouldn't notice, like, by sight alone. But I'd be like, I have hit every piece of furniture in my house eight times. So there's something <laughs> happening right now. <laughs> God, dear David is really... <laughs> Dear David's my new um, interior decorator, guys. <laughs> you think his tiny baby self could move a couch? Yes. He's probably only a, li- only a little bit at a time. Or conversely, he just throws it through the wall. <laughs> <laughs> he, he either moves it a millimeter or out the a window. Mile, a mile <laughs> to the left. Okay. So. Daniel eventually just invaded people's homes to the sole purpose of playing mind games with the owners, which disgusting. Oh, I don't. I do not vibe. With I people. also do not vibe. That's like my worst fear. No. Home invasion <laughs> is the worst thing ever. But I feel like my second, like branching off fear, is like the home invasion, like without like any closure. I know it's. Ugh. Uh, in 1986, LaPlante got the phone number of a family's address in the area. Um, it's suspected he probably burgled the house and retrieved it that way, but really unconfirmed. Moral of the story is he got this phone number. Um, the house belonged to a father and his two daughters, Annie and Jessica Andrews. They were both similar ages and started to talk to Daniel on the phone. LaPlante told them their number was given to him by a friend who went to the same school as them. And he told them he was good-looking, athletic, blonde, and well-educated boy who lived in the area. Keep in mind, this boy is scrawny, not hygienic, dark hair, looks like a rat. So, this is, welcome to Catfish. Okay. (laughs) I love talking to Remy from Ratatouille on the phone. So Annie and Daniel became pretty friendly after several phone calls, and they decided to go out on a date one evening. Uh, LaPlante arrived and obviously was not what Annie was expecting. Um, This isn't a direct quote from Annie, but this is a quote from the article that I got this this entire story from, which shout out to, um, God, I didn't put down the link for this 
Right. Okay. So um, I got this entire story from an article by Joe Turner on parkaman.com. And this is a quote from the article, probably not a quote from actual Annie, but um, her date was, quote, disheveled, greasy, dark haired boy with no attractive features whatsoever. End quote. (laughs) And I just thought it was so funny. That's like the bio of my dating profile. <laughs> that's, that's, that's your Tinder profile. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> so <laughs> he's just getting scalped. Oh my god. I'm at like gosh, like your home is invaded. Everything you own is moved slightly. Imagine like being one of the people that like through time when you finally realize what happened and you're like he him him sewer sewer man <laughs> did sewer man like you're telling me that this boy that you pulled out of the sewer system somewhere was in my home <laughs> well annie actually being a good person went out with him so despite her being totally catfished she's like you know what i'll go out with you so sewer man took annie to like a local fair and after an hour she made some excuses and went home but during the date they had weird conversations um so laplante discovered that the sisters um not the sisters that the sister's mother had recently died of cancer and they lived with just their dad and Daniel took great interest in the details of their mother's death. Like, mo- like not like a normal person, like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. More like, Annie, how did you feel when you found out that your mom died? And how much did your mom suffer? Like, that's what he asked her about. <laughs> Needless to say, Annie did not see him again. God, I wouldn't have gone. I also would not have gone, but, like, props to Annie. That's, like, a really good person thing to do. I just, no, I'm not, not about that life. That is, <laughs> there is a line between good and naive and slash stupid, and she hurdled that line at this, like, at 100 miles per hour. God. Well, she, well, she's probably like, oh, he's insecure or something, but I, yeah, I wouldn't have gone on the date. <laughs> God. That's yep. that murdered in the batch alley energy right there. Exactly. So probably due to the date conversation, Annie and Jessica were really kind of missing their mom and attempted to contact her via a seance in their basement and didn't really expect anything, obviously. Um, but that evening, they heard rhythmic knocking against their bedroom walls. They thought it was their mom and started to communicate with the spirit as it replied with knocks on the wall. This continued for several evenings until the knocking became so regular it disturbed their sleep. Objects would begin to disappear in the house and items which had been laid on a table would be strewn about the next day like in disarray. Furniture would be moved from one side of the room to another And that is when they started to believe that this spirit was not their mother, but a malevolent demon. So the father, Brian Andrews, believed it was the girls, but they claimed that they had unknowingly allowed a vengeful ghost into their house. Brian did not buy it for a second and thought the girls were just struggling with their mom's death. 
Um, so one night in January 1987, strange knocking had begun while they were home alone in their front room. It seemed to come from the basement this time and not the walls, which, nope, but <laughs> I digress. Um, what do you do when you hear knocking coming from your basement? You run, right? Not Annie and Jessica. They grabbed a kitchen knife and went to investigate, which honestly, like, I can understand being curious, but like, props for grabbing at least a knife before going. God, you grabbed the one thing with no breach. (laughs) Catch me with a rolling pin, sir. Absolutely not. Uh, When they went down the basement, they were met with a message written in blood red on the wall that read, quote, I'm in your room. Come and find me. We're going to make this PG-13 again. Hell no. <laughs> Look, I would I would have been done with this that first evening. You're telling me they knocked on 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 for evenings? I can't even no. I can't even <laughs> make a sentence. I can't talk. No. Can you hear the fact that I can't form a sentence right now? Yes, I can. No. One night, that's all the first knock. The first time I would have been like that's weird. And then, like, the, by the second or third time, I'd be like, I'm about to parrot. Like, absolutely not. I'm not staying in that house. We're gonna go live with Graham Graham <laughs> for Graham, a Graham. sec. We're gonna get your hands on on your dad's, like, firearm that I'm sure he has. Come on now. hmm God. <sighs> they... <laughs> Well, they took a page out of your book and just absolutely fled the house and went to the neighbors. They waited for their dad to come home and they told him what they found. But Brian still believed that they were responsible and he made Annie and Jessica go to counseling to help them cope. So several weeks later, the girls heard knocking sounds. But this time it came from behind Annie's bedroom wall. Again, no. So when the girls entered, they were greeted with a message written in the same blood red that said, quote, I'm back. Find me if you can. I love that the furthest the furthest they got was next door. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, same deal as last time. Brian blamed the girls as they called him from the neighbor's house. <laughs> Listen. So they fled to the neighbors again. So when he got home, he went into the house to prove no one was in there. When he entered, he noticed there was more disarray than what the neighbor and the girls told him about. And it became clear that there was someone in the house. Brian entered Annie's room alone, where there was an additional message on the wall that said, quote, marry me with a picture of Annie stabbed to the wall. How did you say no to such a romantic and thoughtful proposal? Um, All right. I, like, (laughs) knock three times on the wall if it's a yes. Like, uh... (laughs) Okay, you know this story. You know what's coming. Everyone, take a seat. If you're not sitting, sit down. You're going to need to. (laughs) On the other side of the room... Mr. Sewerman himself, Daniel LaPlante, stood dressed in the clothing of Brian's dead wife, as well as makeup and a blonde wig with a weapon in one hand. Now, what's the creepiest weapon that you could hold in this position? 
I can't answer that. This is this is a, a children's well, a family show. <laughs> um Daniel was holding a hatchet in one hand, which for any of my Disney fans out there, I can only think of Constance. <laughs> for a second, I thought you were to know with the like I don't know why, but for some reason I thought you were just gonna be like for all my Disney fans. Let me tell you, this reminds me of Winnie the Pooh. Like, something like that. And I was like, oh my god. No. No, no, no. I was like, like what do I not know? I was running through like, everything. <laughs> I was like, no Disney princess has ever been hatcheted to death. I was like, what is how? Like, I did not go to Hartington at first. I was like, what's this? Okay. I don't know. The hatchet's not. I don't know. It's not what it's, I, I knew it's that not, that's what it was, but it's okay. Some people um, believe, and it has been reported some places that he was actually wearing Brian's, um, the mom's wedding dress, which again, oh, for my Disney fans, just someone sitting in the corner with a hatchet in a wedding dress. Hello, Constance Hatchaway. <laughs> like here, here she is. So Obviously, a struggle ensued after this, but Daniel escaped. Um, <laughs> the police were obviously called to investigate. Um, side note, the messages were written in ketchup, just as an aside. God, we have a runaway bride. And ketchup. Yep. <laughs> so the police... The police wanted to know how Daniel got into the house in the first place. So... Um, One officer found a hidden crawl space behind a cupboard built into the wall of Annie's bedroom. And when the officer opened the hatch, Daniel was found inside of it. So. Shout out to John Wayne Gacy. (laughs) Shout out to Brahms from The Boy. God, we don't. We're gonna we're gonna talk about those movies at some point. That was. Those movies. Those movies are one of the worst things that ever happened to me. Okay, but the second movie was good. That was also one of <laughs> like the, the worst things that happened to me. <laughs> Driving home in the dark after that, I was ready to to like to die. Yeah. It wasn't so... it wasn't even like a possibility. It was like this is happening. Goodbye. Goodbye. So these officers removed Daniel and placed him under arrest. Further investigation revealed that Sewerman had been living in the walls of their home and had made tunnels to different areas of the house. Brahms, who? I don't know her. I only know Sewerman. <laughs> so, um, also, peepholes were made throughout these tunnels so he could spy on Annie at any point in the house. And I'm actually, I'm probably going to search this up later. I wonder if the boy was made off of him. Because this is like exactly what the movie had. Oh my god, spoiler for anyone who hasn't seen the boy. <laughs> Sorry. What's the other sister's name? Jessica? Yeah. I'd really love to be her. Can you just imagine? Be, god. I would just be like, thank god. Like, <laughs> evaded that like i would just be like perfect this is great i'm fine like the dad got into the struggle and he's just not having it but i would just like if i were jessica i'd be like okay 
this is fine. <laughs> this is, we're going to roll with it. It's happening. <laughs> like, I would just be like, perfect. This is a great, this is a great arrangement in which I'm not involved at all. <laughs> Uh, the following year, Daniel was placed in a juvenile facility where he stayed until October 1987. Immediately after his release, he returned to burglary. So, some some good that did. Um, <laughs> during one of his robberies, he stole two handguns. And this is where it gets pretty dark. So, on December 1st, 1987, Sewer Man broke into, and I apologize if I say this name wrong, broke into the Gustafsson house and was greeted with 33-year-old and pregnant Priscilla Gustafsson and her two children, Abigail and William. So, Priscilla's husband, Andrew, was at work when Daniel broke in, and when he came home, he was met with a terrible sight that I cannot even fathom. Andrew discovered Priscilla laying face down on her bed with blood splattered everywhere. Again, back to the trigger warning. uh, Click off now because this is where we start talking about it. She had been raped by Daniel and then shot multiple times in the head at point blank range. Andrew called the police and they then discovered five-year-old William had been drowned in the upstairs bathtub and Abigail had been drowned in the downstairs bathtub. It was unclear of the M.O., but due to the fact that his actions progressed from burglary to murder when he was in possession of a weapon, this suggests that he didn't possess the confidence or physical strength to subdue his victims because he's a scrawny little sewer rat. Okay. (laughs) So a handful of items that could be used as restraints were found in the house, which suggested that Sewer Man had forced his way into the house and held his victims at gunpoint while he restrained them, took out Priscilla first to remove the biggest threat, and then killed the children one by one. So authorities were able to very quickly link this to Daniel, and they went to apprehend him, but he had fled the area. A manhunt ensued as Daniel was considered to be armed and dangerous. LaPlante broke into another house a few towns over and kidnapped the woman living there in her own car. (laughs) Daniel. (laughs) Have you been eating too much toxic garbage down there in the sewer? Like, got it. Imagine being kidnapped in your own car. I'm crying. Well, this woman escaped and Daniel was spotted by someone who had seen his photo on the news because at this time, obviously, this huge manhunt's going on. His face is all over the place. Daniel LaPlante was discovered hiding in his true home, a dumpster, 48 hours later. He was found with a hair of Abigail Gustafson on his sock, which confirmed he was their killer. A year later, he was sentenced to three life sentences for the murder of the Gustafson family. And that's all the dark stuff. I, I, God, okay. So he showed absolutely no remorse for his actions. And from 1988 to 2017, he attempted to sue courts multiple times for a violation of his rights. He said that in prison, he needed materials to carry out certain rights as a practicing Satanist, but it was denied by prison officials. I'm fine with that. (laughs) 
and even practicing Satanists don't do that. Like, yeah. that's not what Satanism, Satanism is. Pretty legit. I'm down with Satanism. It's like it's it's like Google what's Google what actual Satanism is, and you'll know what we're talking about. It's more like it's more like they use the word Satan to kind of like like mess with like all religions but it's more like focusing on yourself and you are like i don't know the exact words but like you are the most important thing and stuff like that yeah and uh one of the rules is is really um not not to rape people so he um didn't do that at all (laughs) throwback yeah call back to like maybe two minutes ago uh not successful that's, even, that's not what i was even gonna throw Satan back to is disappointed which is hard exactly to do I exactly believe, based on my um <laughs> it was named after me the book of genesis um he broke <laughs> the one rule <laughs> You've okay, you've heard this, but our audience has not. I just want to let all of you know that there was an assembly at our at school one day and I sat down and the girl next to me straight up looked at me and said, she's like, I have a personal question for you. And I'm like, okay, sure, what's up? And she's like, so are you a practicing Satanist or <laughs> I want to know what the or was. <laughs> Are you practicing or like a little? Or like, are you just saying it? Are you not like baptized yet? Run in, like, does it run in the family? Like, is this generational? Does, does Satan have yeah, a hold Yeah, so on, that's how you know. I was... Does Satan have a hold on all of your family's souls or just yours? <laughs> that was the only qualification that I needed to host this podcast. Okay. <laughs> um. So his rights were denied by prison officials, obviously. Yay. So... <laughs> In 2017, uh, Sewerman seemed to have finally come to terms with his actions, but surprise, surprise, this whole, like, remorse, sudden, like, change of heart was all happening while he was appealing for a reduced sentence. Appeal denied. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, this is where we get into more recent stuff. Now, I'm deathly afraid of interpreting these articles that I read wrong, but this is what the articles said and i'm going to relay this to you so in march 2019 laplante's attorneys first appealed the case for early parole eligibility citing previous court rulings that say juveniles convicted of murder should be given a meaningful opportunity to re-engage with society it also cited a change in state law that allows juveniles convicted of extreme murder to ask for parole after they have served at least 30 years Justice David Lowy said LaPlante's ability to rehabilitate was already in question in the 2017 appeal when his sentence was restructured due to a high court ruling that outlawed life without parole for juveniles. So at that time, the judge gave him the maximum penalty of 45 years after the psyche eval that LaPlante was found not remorseful for his crimes. So basically what this all means is, I believe, in 2017, his case like his case like he appealed and also his case was restructured because like it was um life without parole for juveniles was like um was outlawed so his entire case dynamic changed because that's what he got 
So he's um, he is going to have to serve a maximum of 45 years before he can apply for parole. But what he was appealing for both times was a reduced sentence before he could appeal for parole. So like less time in jail before he could ask for parole. So that is what I got from the articles. Take it with a grain of salt because I'm bad at interpreting court <laughs> things. <laughs> so um, uh, I want to end this case on a quote from Andrew Gustafson. He passed away in 2014, unfortunately, and was not around to hear um, the life imprisonment, the life imprisonment punishment slash just his general imprisonment but on his deathbed he said quote don't ever let him out he should rot in prison and that is the case of sewer man there you go (laughs) i look a wild ride this is the craziest case this has been on my mind in for ever since i heard morbid cover it like it's I the like God the wedding dress and the and he just he's in a dumpster. <laughs> Jesus, it's insane. I like somehow it's very crazy, but it's also like that's exactly what I expect. Yeah, it's. <laughs> they also they, they oh, didn't I... base the boy movie on anything. They no, didn't. I didn't okay. Want to interrupt you, but oh, that's they, fine. They didn't. They marked it as like, okay. It's not based on a true event. Okay, I guess it. I guess it really technically isn't. Well, yeah, because like, Annabelle's based off of Annabelle. Like, like, so I think but, they were like, yeah. there isn't a doll named Brahms that we base this off of when they were doing the first one. Yeah, and the second one, they were like, what? I like. Yeah, but it's but you would still think fear. Yeah, so it's it's the doll plus the wall, like the wall events. Yeah, I feel like they're like not based on anything, but Mm -hmm. yeah. All right. Well, hope you all enjoyed the uh, the case. Um, This is probably one of my favorites even though it's so crazy and so weird and I can't get over how much of a piece of absolute just garbage this man is, which by the way, he aged terribly. Yeah, he didn't, um, but like- He looks like like a rat. Since since birth. He's aged terribly since birth. In every stage of life, he's just become a different form of rat. Just and you'll know what I mean when I post the pictures of him. It ain't pretty. <laughs> he's no, not. There's nothing redeemable about no. him. No, nothing whole story at all. Is so like disjointed, but at the same time, like looking at each step, I'm like, of course. Like, yeah. but it, like, it's like, like, yeah, of course, that's what you did. But at the same time, it seems like one of those like middle school theater games where you have to like continue the story with the next sentence as you go around the- it's like yeah oh my god he was in the walls he had a hatchet he was in a wedding dress like it just <laughs> it seems so like 
not like it doesn't, he, doesn't seem like uh, the same person but when you look at it you're like of course of course his name was daniel of course he looked like a gremlin of course he was found in a dumpster like it's all adding up yeah everything was there uh <laughs> he in his in his picture well i'm gonna post a picture of him as a teenager first because that's when that all like happened like his teenage years he just looks so greasy yeah he looks greasy and there's no other way i can sit here and describe it (laughs) yeah it's it's gross anyway if you want to see the pictures of this greasy man you can follow us on instagram at blood and guts pod you can also follow us on twitter at blood underscore guts pod and you can visit our link tree at uh the best link tree slash blood and guts pod it has links to ever that you can listen to us and what's the psa for this week um no offense if your name is daniel but Daniel's all over the world. Um, stay out of dumpsters and also don't drown children. Yep. That's pretty Especially straightforward not to me. In two different <laughs> bathrooms on two different floors. Like, come on now. Who are you trying to? Just don't drown yeah, children. Like, like, are you. <laughs> without saying. But, like, two different floors, two different bathrooms. Who are you trying to impress here? You're already a runaway bride. You're like, you're good. One bathroom is full. <laughs> Even better yeah. are no bathrooms. Don't don't do it. <laughs> exactly. Even better is you stay in the dumpster where you belong. Yeah, I, they should have just closed the lid and like put a little chain on that. Perfect. <laughs> just let him yeah. sit there. I think that's great. Let him live out the I rest of his days. Very flawed, and I feel like this is a prime example of that. <laughs> dumpster jail should be valid. Um, I'll have a petition. <laughs> I'll have a petition up on Instagram. Sign it. Put into action. Link to our GoFundMe. Put him in a dumpster dumpster jail. We'll use that photo of Minnie and Mickey in the jail. That's the cover photo. (gasps) Full circle. We've come full circle. (laughs) Goodbye. Bye, everyone. (laughs) 